Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. Be sure to check us out on iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. Click that subscribe button and leave a comment. Anyway, I got my guy Q in here. I'm your host, Kyle Coglatori, and let's get right into it, Q. Um, some Twins news. We haven't brought up much Twins stuff because it's the offseason, but they brought back Nelson Cruz. They signed Golden Glove shortstop Adrelton Simmons. Uh, bolster the bullpen by signing Alex Colomb, Hansel Robles, uh, acquire Sean Anderson for Lamont Wade Jr., and they claim Ian Hamilton. Um, I mean, last year they were that that boomer bust, a lot of home runs, and sounds like they're trying to shore up the pitching. I would love to see them kick some ass again, personally. It's been a long time since the Twins have really done a lot. Yeah, it'll be fun to uh, see the Twins regroup. I'm not too big of a Twins fan. Um, I mean, I, I guess I never followed baseball heavily, but now that I'm living in the cities, you know, I guess I kind of like the Twins, but I don't watch them too much. But then again, um, when I do watch them, you know, it is exciting. They they can put up points when they're, you know, when the offense is going. But we'll we'll see what happens this year. Man, it, it was really cool to see them uh, change the way that they go after it. Um, in the years past, the Twins have always been known about developing and, and having pitching, never been known for, you know, the stick. And and they brought on some hitters last year. It was really fun to watch. They were just killing dudes. I bet every pitching staff was just scared to play us. I could imagine. Well, the way they're, you know, they can catch fire pretty fast and, you know, put together some some good, good innings. Um it should be an interesting season this year. All bombs, all dingers. Let's keep it going. <laughs> Let, let's transition to the NBA. The Wolves won a game. I know Alexander was out, but they got a dub. How do you feel about that? That's six now on the season. Um, it's, it's a good progression, we'll say. You know, obviously we know they're going to struggle in, in certain areas and you know, that's defending the ball, scoring the ball, winning ball games, period. And, you know, they're going through a phase where they're going to have to, you know, come together. You know, if they're going to win that night, they're going to have to bring it 110% because teams are not going to lay down. And, you know, it's going to take a, a collective effort to win, especially in the Western Conference. I think just lose out. Try to get that pick back. Just lose out. You got all them lottery picks anyways. Just just lose out. You said what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I hear you. I'm, I'm not too sure how the the upcoming draft will look as far as uh, new talent. So, you know, maybe you could acquire a, a, some fresh young talent and just obviously you're in a rebuilding situation. But you just need someone who's going to come in and, you know, be, you know, effective immediately. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, the other thing that I want to get into, did you catch LeBron versus courtside Karen the other day? I didn't get a chance to watch it live, but I did see some highlights about it. Um, very interesting story. Would have been a sight to see on a live, you know, schedule. But, you know, the uh, 
the entertainment portion is, is always good news, always good publicity when, when LeBron's involved, of course. <laughs> I remember seeing a similar incident happen with Blake Griffin against the, the Wolves, and he got this dude kicked out of a game. I felt really bad for the guy because he didn't even say anything. I think Blake was just trying to mess with him, and he got his way. Do you think that's cool that players can basically get fans ejected even though they're paying for prime seats like courtside yeah that's a that's a little extreme i guess you know you have to really evaluate the situation and see if you can you know hear that type of discussion on the court with uh you know the interaction between the player and the fan or if it's something that they're negatively impacting the game or the someone is just sad that a fan said something i I think it is a little out of order i'm sure sometimes the fans can be a little extra but who knows you know you got to be there to really hear what's going on you can't really play the he said she said game and you know we don't know for ourselves we just go by what the media can tell us the media loved it they love that story um another one they always do yeah they they do Another one that kind of hits Minnesota fans right in the nuts, uh, LaMelo Ball. He had his first NBA start this week. He's now had three straight. Everybody kind of said he was only starting because Scary Terry hurt his ankle or something like that. But Scary Terry's back. LaMelo's still in the starting lineup. And between these last three games, he's averaging 22.6 points, 5.4 boards, 6.8 assists, two steals a game, 33.6 minutes, 59.2% from two and 39.3% from three and 91.7 from the charity stripe. Did the wolves really mess up by not picking this dude or what? I would say so just because the wolves, it looks like they need some type of new blood, fresh blood, exciting blood on their roster that's going to, you know, make the game fun again for those players. I would say, yeah, they did miss out because clearly Anthony Edwards is not giving that type of energy that LaMelo is giving Charlotte. And I'm sure everyone can agree with that. Then again, you know, who knows what the next couple of years may pan out to be. It could be the complete opposite. It could be just hype right now. You know, that's just one of those situations where time will tell and it'll play itself out. But I do think LaMelo was the the safer pick long term. I think, yeah. I, I mean, I think Anthony Edwards could still do something. I don't know if it's just... I don't know, Hornets, maybe because they got a Gordon Hayward who's about his business, plus they got a Michael Jordan always in the background. You know, they kind of just have that a different vibe in the culture for some odd reason with the Wolves is just terrible. It's a losing vibe all the time. Yeah, it's definitely tough to watch, and um, I do look at the, you know, the scorecards pretty frequently throughout the week. And when I see the Timberwolves on there, it's kind of like one of those, uh, they're probably going to, to play competitive and lose, or they're going to get blown out. You know, it's usually winning isn't in that equation of, of thoughts. Oh yeah. Well, let's bring this right into the top rookie of the year candidates. 
Obviously, the mellow's got to be at the forefront of that. Tyrese Hallenburton. Um, who, who else you thinking? Um, James Wiseman. He's also in that in that category. He's he's getting some solid minutes with the the Warriors. You know, he's playing well. He's averaging about twelve, almost twelve and a half points, six rebounds, one and a half blocks, fifty percent from the field. 41% from three, which is very interesting because I've never seen him make a three. But, I mean, the kid's 7-1, ultra-athletic, and apparently leads all the rookies in rebounds and blocks. So he's he's behind those two. We got Anthony Edwards in the mix as well, you know, averaging 13, three, and about two assists. And then we got um, Emmanuel Quickly. Who's dirty. Yeah, pretty interesting guard from the Knicks. And like that kid can he can low key hoop. He's, he's a sleeper. Nice. Yeah, he's a he's a sleeper for sure. I like he's I like I like the way he plays, man. He he's just he kinda always has a, a little niche. Kinda like Halliburton. Both of them just have that I don't know, they they just have that old man crafty game, I feel like. I agree. I mean, uh, these two guards, they're both, you know, they're both quick, they're both fast, they're both smart, and out of a guard, that's pretty much all you want to ask for. Athleticism is, you know, the new breed, and, you know, now the the new thing is athletic point guards, and, you know, he fits the category. Then the other thing, uh, did you find it odd Durant being pulled mid-game? Cleared to play, plays, gets pulled, can't play. I think that is very interesting. I saw he was not clear to play at first, and then he got in the game, you know, had a couple fouls. He was in foul trouble, and I believe they sat him down because they thought it was his fifth foul, and the challenge was being reviewed, and all of a sudden he got pulled either way, and it was a successful challenge. So I was watching the game live, and I was – pretty concerned i guess the contact tracing with someone that he he was with prior you know to that game ended up testing positive so for that reason he had to sit out but no one else did so if he was (laughs) this is this is kind of funny to me but if he is with someone who is now positive that puts him at risk if he's out there on the floor playing with these other other guys on the floor, his team and the other team included, he puts them at risk. He's the only one that gets pulled. <laughs> like this is a, a crazy way to you know s- stop something. Obviously, Duran is the the main guy in this you know in the situation, but he's also interacting with these other players, which now puts everyone at risk so nba just doesn't know what the hell they're doing i really believe that it it didn't make sense to me but you know the they they handle their own business in their own way (laughs) it doesn't matter if it makes sense to me well what do you think of the nets being a top tier offense which we all knew it would be but clearly at the bottom for defense which is also kind of surprising because you know people forget deandre jordan's there KD's not terrible at defense. Harden, eh, Harden, eh. 
And Kyrie, for some reason, out of nowhere, has kind of forgot how to play, which is pretty weird. So it's interesting because we all knew that these, the big three in Brooklyn was more than capable of putting up, you know, majority of the team's points. It's obvious they're going to score, you know, 70 to 80% of their points most nights. And the thing is, when they play other teams, it's no longer going to be, you know, who can get the most stops. It's more so who can score the most. Just because, I mean, you're not going to shut down those three superstars every night. One of them might have a cold night, but the other two will pick the other one up. That's just how it goes, especially when you're playing with good players. So I don't see teams really being able to shut them down. It's more so, can you contain one more so than the other and scheme for the other ones pretty good? It's going to be tough to scheme three players, you know, especially with an athletic center who can catch lobs and also good scoring pieces around them. So it's it's going to be about defense come playoff time, and we're going to see an entirely different brand of basketball on the defensive end from the Nets when that time comes. Do you think this should be an all-star game? No. Clearly why? it's about money. Like, why? We saw what just happened to the Pro Bowl. Well, obviously, that they didn't do that, really. So what's the point of an all-star game? Like, I mean, the fans, I'm sure we would understand, you know, it would help protect the safety of the players again. And, you know, you just had them in a bubble. Like, why are we doing an all-star game? Like, none of the players are excited to do it. Obviously, they're going to do it. But I just don't think it's the, the time and place. Do it, do it another time. Do it like towards the end of the season or something. Like, change it. You know, it's a different type of season this year, anyways. And not, it's not a full 82 game schedule. So they could arrange that to be different this year as well. So, just my opinion. I think they could. I don't think they put much thought and effort into it. But they just kind of forced it out there. And it is a money grab. It kind of bums me out, though, because I felt like last year's All-Star game was the first All-Star game that was fun to watch. And, you know, the dunk contests and three-point contests, they're always fun. The skills challenge is fun, too. But seeing the team, you know, the guys don't try. And last year is the first time in my life I ever saw an All-Star game where they were trying. Maybe the first quarter they were kind of going back and forth, but by second, third, especially the fourth, they were going at it. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a, a new setting that they that they tried out, and it, I think it worked out. It was successful. And this year, I believe they're, like, mixing it up. It's more so they're going to have, like, the skills challenge, whatever else they're going to do, and then the game is in the same day. So they're not doing it like a two-day event this year. Okay. Three-day event, you know, like they usually do. What do you think, um, like – so clearly it's going to happen. Do you think a player like LeBron James will just say, Hey, I'm not going to do it. I don't know. I don't think they would take it to that extent. I think they'll do it, but I'm sure they don't want to. So, I mean, it's going to count towards 
you know, his nominations, his yada yada statistics in the all-star game, like he's going to continue to, you know, receive more accolades for that, you know, his blank appearance, you know, this 12th time in a 12th year in a row, yada, yada. Like that's going to, it's going to be an effect still. It's going to help his resume even more in the go conversation, but I still don't think these players want to. Yeah, I can see that too. Well, let's, let's jump right into Super Bowl Sunday. We got the chiefs and we got the bucks. It's Tom Brady's first time being an underdog in the Super Bowl. Um, I actually saw something really weird today from Bleacher Report where they were trying to say that Patrick Mahomes can be the first black quarterback to win two Super Bowls. But Russell Wilson has two Super Bowls, so I don't know where that stat came from. Uh, I thought that was pretty odd. to just over. It's not even like that was a long time ago or anything, so I don't know what happened there. Yeah, um, an entirely different um, <laughs> generation of football, I guess. I guess. I thought that was crazy because they were talking about Doug Williams and, uh, you know, the history he made being the first black man to win a Super Bowl at the QB position, which is awesome. It's huge, huge. And, and I mean, this year the other thing they were saying is 10 black starting quarterbacks in the NFL and how he's paved the way. But then the, the Patrick Mahomes thing, I thought everything was done well until I saw the Patrick Mahomes thing where he could be the first black quarterback to have two rings. I'm like, so is Russ not considered black? And then I was doing Googling. His parents both look black to me. So I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, it's uh, that's why I don't like to watch uh, a lot of these statistics and you know whatever these new analysts pull out a lot of it is just thrown together stuff that isn't even you know documented correctly hot garbage hot garbage i was pretty disappointed with them um but let's run into it who do you got chiefs or the bucks my my money would be with tom brady my heart is saying Chiefs. My brain is saying <laughs> Chiefs, but my heart is with Tom Brady. And the reason why I was, uh, I'll break it down like this. The Chiefs offense is so potent and so scary that even though I think the Bucks have a far more talented team, I think they have a better defense than the Chiefs. I think their offense could be up there. But just from watching this season, I have not seen Tom Brady actually connect with the team completely. I've seen him put together a quarter or, or a half. But, I mean, for some reason, that deep ball, he's not always clicking on the deep ball. And if he does, I think they'll be very, very tough to beat tomorrow. But if he can't figure that out, it doesn't really matter because I think that Chiefs offense is just so scary, so scary. They can score so fast, which is the crazy part about it. Like, you know, they only need, you know... 30 seconds. <laughs> a, a couple plays to literally get in field goal range, a couple plays to literally score. Like, they have so many options. It's just hard to logically put together, you know, the thought of saying the Chiefs are going to lose in, in the biggest game of the year with that much talent on their team. But on the other side of the coin, 
we have Tom Brady that we're we're talking about. And he has a new team, new energy. He's at home in Tampa. Let's add that in. Anything can happen. You know, it's a I think I'm 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 going to lean the three and a half. But Tom Brady, I don't know. I if, wanna see Tom do it. I wanna see him get seven. I if, really want to see it happen. I just don't know if it's possible. I feel like the Chiefs team is even better than last year. I really believe that. And I think their I think their defense is so so. I think they got three really, really good players on defense. Uh they got a a, a, a slot corner, a nickel corner that I believe is out, who is their rookie, who is pretty dang good. So that's going to hurt them. But, I mean, it all depends on if the Bucks, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. If, if they do these turnovers. I mean, you, you watch that Packer game. If they had a clean game, the whole game, I'd be like, oh, the Bucks, they look like the real deal. But there was moments where, you know, Brady's picks, and it just didn't look right. It didn't look like a team that was going to win a Super Bowl to me. I agree, and I feel like, you know, at the biggest stage in the Super Bowl, obviously those mistakes will be capitalized on. You know, unlike the the Packers, you know, they, they couldn't get the points right back, you know, that they were when they were turning the ball over. But if you turn the ball over to a Chiefs team like this, you, you better believe that they are returning points in oh, a yeah. sealed envelope. Oh, yeah. I, I, if, if they figure out a way to pressure Mahomes and actually mess him, like disrupt his his progressions and everything like that, I think they got a real shot. Uh, having Vita Via back is huge. Dominican Sue, huge. JPP, huge. Um, Shaquille Barrett, their front their front seven is pretty great. Um, the secondary will have those two rookies back in the secondary, Underwood and Winfield, and, and, and there's so many Minnesota ties. I feel like to the Bucks that it also makes me just be a lot more biased towards them. But I don't know, man. That cheat. I don't like any bets at all for this whole game. Yeah, my thing would be, uh, you know, obviously sprinkle on either side, uh, more so a total. You know, I like I like a total of the game just because I believe that both of these teams will do what they can do, what we're no what we know they're capable of doing as far as putting up points. We know Brady can put up points. He has a talented offense. We know Mahomes can put up points. He has a talented offense. I mean, over under is fifty six points. So you're taking So it over. could be a di- it could be a defensive game, but I just feel like the way that these teams move the ball, we're going to see a lot of points. It's going to be a shootout. I think so, too. What are, what are some of your favorite prop bets? So as far as the props, um, I was looking at... We have a total net yards for the, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. So for the Chiefs, 405 total yards. I just believe that they're going to air it out for at least 350. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'd take the over for that. Okay. Tampa Bay over 383 total, total net yards. Brady's going to throw for 300. Oh yeah. We can believe that. Like 
touchdown scores, you know, Travis Kelsey, obviously, um, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans. I could see Nicole Hardman having a great game, too. Hardman, yeah, I would consider him. Also, Gronkowski. You know, you know, he's it's going to be a moment where he, he has an opportunity to get one. Oh, yeah. So, you know, something like that, but... You know, I think uh, the over, first half over, definitely a, a good way to play. Did you see any of the bets, too, about the uh, the national anthem? They had people camping out outside there, recording them practicing the national anthem to see how long they're going. And the average was about 215, 216. You taking that bet, or do you think Vegas is out there doing that on purpose? They got, you know, the right side. Uh, I never participate in those type of bets like coin toss or national anthem. Just I, I would hate to lose that soon. <laughs> at least <laughs> let me enjoy my loss. You know, let, at least let me watch the game and pay attention to what's going on. Have a heartbreaking field goal at the end to not cover the spread. Like I enjoy those type of L's. Not if she hits this high note five seconds less than what the spread is and I lose before the coin toss. Like <laughs> I just want to be on the right side of the fix. Vegas, help me out. Yeah, that's that's usually what we always want to be on the, the right side of it. Unfortunately, the odds don't work out that way all the time, but you know, it's fun. It's well man, win or lose, I'm really excited to watch this game tomorrow. I hope you're eating a lot of good grub. And I hope everybody enjoys the game, period. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to uh, have some fun, watch the game, uh, maybe maybe get some uh, some food, some catering or something, you know. All our listeners, enjoy that game, too. Get some good grub. Certainly. Certainly.